Living up to one of his key election promises, Quebec Premier Francois Legault's government recently introduced its bill promoting secularism. One of Bill 21's most controversial sections deals with religious symbols and would ban public workers in positions of authority from wearing them. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look at who the ban affects, what symbols are being banned, and how some are saying they won't follow the new rules. This podcast has been growing since we started, and I want to thank all of you who've taken the time to subscribe to us on your favorite listening app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For those of you who just occasionally check us out, thanks for searching out our show, but why not make it easy on yourself and hit the subscribe button? No fuss, no muss. Rene Brewer is a reporter with the Montreal Gazette who has been covering some of the fallout to Bill 21. So, Rene, for Canadians who aren't entirely familiar with the bill, just walk us briefly through the motivation behind Bill 21 and what it sets out to do. Its title is An Act Respecting the Laicity of the State, which is more of a French term, basically the secularism of the state. And the idea is that um, Quebec government has decided that they want to ensure that state and religion are are two separate entities and the two don't sort of intermix. And, And so basically enforcing the secularism of government institutions. And and so the way they've decided to do that is to, uh, they're proposing to, they tabled this bill last week, and of course it has to go through the procedure before it comes to law. Uh, they're proposing to ban the wearing of religious symbols by government employees, uh, generally in a position of authority. So that would be um, judges, police officers, state prosecutors, but also teachers, uh, principals, vice principals, people like that. Um, and, and basically with the idea being, they're saying that religious symbols have no place within state institutions. And, and uh, so we're going to say from here on in, uh, anybody hired, there's a grandfather clause, but from here on in, anybody hired um, uh, to, to serve these roles will not be allowed. For instance, uh, a woman would not be allowed to wear a Muslim head covering known as a hijab. Uh, Jews would not be allowed to wear the uh, skull cap known as a kippah. Uh, Sikhs could not wear their turbans, um, uh, things of that nature. Why did they decide to go through with this? It's been a long running, very long running debate in, in Quebec. I'd say it's, it stems back at least till 2006, where we can see where it first came up, largely um, based, uh, I would say, on media reports, uh, largely out of uh, one one of our tabloid newspapers, the Journal de Montréal, and, and their TVA uh, sort of news affiliation that, that sort of hammered on it. And there was many stories about uh, I guess accommodations that were given to religious groups, for instance, uh, at our Cabana Sucre, which is where we have sort of our maple syrup festival, and there's a pork and beans on the menu, and a Muslim group had asked, could you cut the pork out of the pork and beans aspect so that we can have it and we can join your Cabana Sucre? And so that was done, but that was sort of blown up in the media. Um, uh, there was another, uh, in, in some media, and uh, there was another case in, in which uh, in a sort of Jewish Orthodox neighborhood in Montreal, uh, they had asked that the YMCA could frost the windows on their uh, workout space because they were worried about, I guess, their young men basically um, seeing women who are dressed less than, than they feel appropriate within the, in their religious society. And so so they asked them to frost the windows, which I think the YMCA did. But again, this got uh, this and other measures like that sort of um, came together to put the worry into some people that perhaps Quebec was losing its identity. And, 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 and part of that is that Quebec's unique 
um, status as, you know, a population of roughly 8 million French people within the sea of 350 million English people in North America, um, the question of identity is always a, a strong one here. And, and so the worry was voiced by some saying that if we continue to give all this religious accommodation to various groups and, and you know, we have more and more immigrants, particularly Montreal coming in, uh, that uh, Quebec's culture and identity could be watered down or, you know, um, eradicated. So how have governments in Quebec responded to the debates about religious accommodations? This is the fourth bill that has been tabled by Quebec governments, Liberal, one Liberal, one Parti Québécois, and now it's the uh, Coalition Avenir Québec party that's uh, recently voted into power in October. So the fourth bill attempting to sort of find some kind of secularism within the state and and or impose some form of secularism within the state. The first three uh, were basically uh, did not pass or the party was uh, either they could not get, you know, parliamentary majority or uh, the party uh, was voted out of power and so it died. Uh, in the last case, the Liberals actually passed one which was having to do with giving services. Um, you can't have a face covering if you're a state employee and give a service or receive a service, even perhaps getting a book at a library. Um, but that one was, uh, it's w before the courts because it was, um, basically challenged on the basis that it was unconstitutional under the religious freedoms uh, that we have in Canada and Quebec. Why, if the face covering bill with the liberals is deemed so problematic or was de is there's a constitutional challenge against it, where do they think the CAQ law is going to end up. Well, yeah, this one's special because what they did for the first time in all these bills, and, and they said they would before they were elected and they followed through on it, said that we're going to invoke the notwithstanding clause. And and that's a clause within the, the Canadian constitution uh, that I think came in around 1982 when the, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms was sort of wrapped into the constitution. And, and some provinces were worried about it at the time. And so... Um, government came up uh, with this solution that said, well, there will be a notwithstanding clause, which means that you can override elements of, uh, of the, uh, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom that are enshrined within the Constitution. And so that's what's happened in this case is that the Quebec government has said, in order that we're, we don't get bogged down in the courts for years, which is typically uh, what happens, or have it refused in the courts, uh, we're going to invoke this notwithstanding clause, which allows us to override uh, the Canadian Charter and the Quebec. There's also Quebec Charter of uh, Rights and Freedoms, and, and the clause applies to that too. And so that's why they, they feel that this time we won't have to go through all those legal challenges, and uh, they're hoping to pass this bill into law by June, so quite quickly, in the next two months, basically. So the CAQ campaigned on this uh, law, on bringing in a law like this. How is it being met now that it's been tabled in the, in the National Assembly? Uh, let's say mixed, <laughs> to say the least. It's, it's quite mixed. Uh, it has to be noted that um, when they were uh, campaigning on this, it was quite a, it was a fairly ca a popular campaign slogan of theirs. And it went hand in hand also with sort of anti-immigration policies that they were putting forth that saying that they wanted to cut the number of immigrants to Quebec uh, by about 20%. I think we allow in about 50,000 a year. They want to cut that to 40,000 a year, arguing in part that um, uh, immigrants are not well enough integrated. And so they're more apt to be unemployed. And so, which is partially true, but not quite as much as they say. Uh, and so it sort of went hand in hand with that. 
And, and 60% of the population actually, when polled, said they were largely in favor of, for instance, this new bill, 21, that would outlaw the wearing of religious symbols. So it, there's a majority, uh, mostly it seems to be more out in the regions, not so much in Montreal, which is more multicultural, and we actually have a lot of people, a lot of, uh, of different religions here, but out in the regions where it tends to be more monochromatic, let's say, it's uh, more popular because the, the, I guess the fear of loss of identity is stronger that aspect of the population is, is in favor of the passing of the bill. And, and there's been polls recently that say they're still in favor. Um, but on the other side, uh, reaction has been quite uh, vociferous, quite uh, outstated. And we have a lot of uh, institutions and organizations and even school boards, two school boards have already said that they would refuse, two English school boards have said they would refuse to uh, put this bill or, or follow the bill or the, the law once it came in. And uh, which would involve refusing to hire people, for instance, who wear a hijab or who wear um, a, a kippah. And uh, the city of Montreal also uh, came out strongly against it, says it it's, goes completely against our charter, which, um, uh, which speaks out against discrimination, does not allow religious discrimination or discrimination on, on religious things. And, and so the, actually our mayor was quite um, strong. And I mean, 75 to 80% of new immigrants to Montreal, uh, to Quebec generally end up in Montreal. It's by far the, the most multicultural aspect in the, uh, or place in the uh, province. And then beyond that, the groups that you would expect, B'nai B'rith, uh, the Muslim, you know, Council of uh, Canadian Muslims, civil liberties organizations, uh, the Quebec Human Rights Commission, uh, even before it came out, uh, who's, and their mandate is to uphold uh, the uh, regulations stipulated within the Quebec Charter of Human Rights and Freedoms. And uh, they came up with it and said, this is completely against our charter. And, and so we have to speak out against it. And uh, so, yeah, so there, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of voices saying uh, that they're against it. Some saying they would defy it. There's also smaller municipalities, mostly Anglophone municipalities on the island of Montreal, who have said that uh, they would uh, either that they're, against it. At least 15 have said they're against it. And a few have said they would defy it. Montreal has not said, they, they said in a sense that we are, we have to follow the laws of Quebec. So can, can we actually defy it? Um, mm, that's unclear and, and unclear at this point as to whether they will. But they said that it's going before parliamentary committees in the, in the coming month. And they said that we will definitely speak out against it and let our view be known. And, and uh, Mayor Valérie Plante in Montreal was... Uh, uh, very vocal that uh, it was not the uh, the um, direction that Montreal wanted to go in. Now, there's been lots of talk uh, regarding uh, Jewish religious garb, uh, Muslim headscarves, Sikh turbans. One piece of the, the religious puzzle that doesn't get talked about as much is Christians or Catholics. Is this seen? Is this seen as a direct assault on non-Christian religions? Yeah, pretty much so. It, it just in that, you know, Catholics don't have to wear a large turban, right? Or they don't have it within their religious uh, regula regulations, say, you know, if they, if they follow it that way, that, that there is no context. Perhaps they have to wear a cross, but that can be hidden under uh, your shirt, uh, which is still illegal, by the way. You're just not supposed to wear any religious symbols, but the government has said we're not going to have strip searches. So, you know, and I think <laughs> it, it's that's already... <laughs> The case as it is now that uh, many observant, uh, you know, or semi-observant say uh, Christians or so what might wear a cross, but they tend to le keep it discreet. It'll be under their shirt sort of thing or same with Jews, perhaps who might be wearing the Star of David, things like that. 
Uh, but unfortunately, uh, in certain, it's mostly certain religions or you know uh, that that or sex uh, areas of religion that dictate. No, you should keep your head covered, or you you know you should wear this turban or whatever. And and so it's it's generally very much them who's going to be targeted. And and among them, the ones who stand out the most are Muslim women who have you know who uh, wear the hijab. Um, because obviously one is very visible and, and two, they're probably the, you know, the largest aspect of anybody wearing sort of a religious symbol. They're the largest population that you would see in Montreal and Quebec. And, and it's quite uh, widespread now. So it, it's seen as largely targeting the Muslim population, actually, you would have to say, because those are the ones that it most affects by far. Now, if this bill is enacted and everyone uh, obeyed it, what would it look like in my day-to-day life if I was in living in Quebec? Basically, I wouldn't see um, any headscarves or turbans or anything like that um, when I go to court or when I go to the hospital. Like, kind of spell out what the, their ideal is. Yeah, definitely not the hospital. That was uh, that uh, you know they wouldn't they didn't want to infringe on healthcare or so or your right to attain healthcare or perhaps to work within the healthcare field so that was pushed to the side so it's more government services security services often if you if you wear a gun so if you're a, a bailiff now the thing is that it seems to be at this moment it applies to almost nobody within the civil service because there, or, or there are very few people within our massive civil service who actually wear these religious symbols where you would see it more is definitely teachers you would definitely have teachers wearing kippahs and hijabs and, and, and turbans and so on. You'll see some of that. But there has been a grandfathered clause that's been written into this law, uh, which says that if you were already hired or working at the time of the law and you wore a hijab, for instance, you would con- you're allowed to continue to work. And so, or, or if you worked, I guess, for the city or so, and you're, you wore one of these symbols or for the state, you were allowed to continue to work with your... Um, religious headgear. Uh, now, the problem with that is one that they say that uh, it'll create two classes of citizens. The ones who are already in get to wear their religious gear. And then those who want to come into the profession, new teachers in, in particular, and say, well, unless you give up your religious belief or you know conviction that, this is, that you must wear this, uh, you, you're not getting a job. You will not be hired. The other aspect they say is that, well, the grandfather clause was put in because the site of, uh, say, a hijab woman who's been teaching for 20 years suddenly losing her job and, you know, people being pulled out when she's being pulled out in tears does not play well. Like, it, And it's happened in the past, too, where they've tried to pass these bills and all of a sudden people, you know, we said, well, we'll be firing all these people. And, and then all of a sudden voters say, oh, well, we don't want anybody to be fired. <laughs> you know, we just, we just don't want them to wear these symbols. And so it's like, well, some people feel they have to. And so they would not leave and they would have to be fired. And and so that's always, so so part of the thinking is that, yeah, they've put in a grandfather clause in order not to have that spectacle, say, of uh, on television people being removed from their jobs and so on. Well, what would happen, you know, you, you talk about school boards and, and other organizations who say, we're not going to obey the law. We're not going to force teachers to remove their headscarves if they wear one. What happens once the law is in place if people disobey it? How is the government prepared to enforce it? And are you going to see people potentially get fired? That is not stipulated yet in the law. So that's been there's been a lot of questioning on that in the last few days. 
and not much answering on it uh, to this point. Uh, basically, the, the first line by the government was, we expect people to uh, follow suit, and if they don't, there will be consequences, but the consequences have not been spelled out. And then yesterday, our uh, security minister, uh, Madame Guibault, who said uh, that police would would um, take care of it. And so, and then you, which raises this specter of having police, I don't know, coming into places of work and removing people uh, or arresting people who have hired, I guess, uh, people who were religious accommodation. And the premier, and I, uh, the premier is very quick to say, no, 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 that's, we're not doing that. There would be, I guess the first would be, he said that people in the place of authority, for instance, uh, the chairman of the school board who decides whether or not you can hire, you know, these people, they would be expected to follow the law. If they don't, they've, they've only, they said, so far they said there'd be court injunctions. So basically we're going to take you to court and, and we will push it to say this is a law and you have no right but to follow it. So what happens next? Well, there's a couple of things. There's several groups that are saying we're looking into legal recourse because even with the notwithstanding clause, uh, just because you invoke the notwithstanding clause doesn't mean that you you get carte blanche. There are actually are legal provisions within the notwithstanding clause that might allow a legal battle against it. And and so and they're promising. I know that the 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 legal counsel for the National Council of Muslims and for the Canadian I think Civil Liberties Association have said you know they'll be looking into whether um, there are areas within the Canadian Quebec Charter of Rights and Freedoms where the notwithstanding clause cannot be used. And for, and for instance, in the case, it, it's believed or perhaps that in the case of religious freedom, that's one of the areas where you're not allowed to invoke this clause to encroach. So that's being studied. Uh, they're looking on to whether perhaps the provincial government is overstepping its jurisdiction in this case. And this is actually where they're wandering into is more of a federal jurisdiction. And so they're actually not allowed to do it. Could be that it, uh, this law impacts on international treaties. And I think the final thing they were looking at was whether maybe the bill violates sort of fundamental principles of the rules of law, which include uh, whether it's in- understandable by the citizens or whether perhaps it's too vague and uh, and it doesn't really define religious symbols well enough. or And so so on those basis, uh, bases, uh, it could perhaps be fought. And so that they're looking into that. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out as they push ahead, if they are as resolute as they say they are in getting this law passed. Renee, thanks for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest, Renee Broomer. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. 